Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We are in week two of a series called The Powerhouse. Would you say it with me? The Powerhouse. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you are the powerhouse. It's a series based on the first uh, several chapters of the book of Acts. If you know the book of Acts, it was written by a man called Luke. It's the same person who wrote the, the gospel of Luke. We all know that one, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the same person. And uh, we know that he was a doctor, a physician. He was a historian. And he was also a colleague of the Apostle Paul. And so last week, Pastor Miles, our executive pastor, kicked off the series talking about the powerhouse. He talked about how uh, we have to uh, embrace the weight. We have to uh, rehearse the immerse. And then he talked about another point that was amazing. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you have to listen to the YouTube video or listen to the podcast because I can't remember what it was. But anyway, that's like you every Sunday with all of my points. <laughs> anyway, uh, Luke sums up the book of Acts with these words that Jesus says just before he ascends to heaven. See, the book of Acts continues on from the end of the book of Luke. And uh, Jesus is alive, he's speaking to people, and then he goes to ascend to heaven. And he leaves the disciples with this great encouragement. It's our key verse for this series, The Powerhouse. It's Acts 1.8. Jesus says this, But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to a place called Melbourne West Elevation Church in 2022. He says you will receive power, power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts records many powerful uh, acts of the Holy Spirit records many miracles, many signs and wonders. Uh, there's some debate, but roughly 20 to 29 miracles are described in the book of Acts. And so it's easy to, to read Acts and think that it's about the Holy Spirit, Spirit power to do miracles. It's easy to think the Holy Spirit power to do signs and wonders in our lives. And today at Elevation Church, we believe in, in miracles. We believe in God's sign and wonders. Uh, we don't believe it stopped then. We believe it continues today. But that isn't our full focus. See, the purpose of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness for Jesus. He says, you will receive the power to be my witnesses. And so we receive dunamis power. I love that word. I was speaking about it before. Dunamis, it comes from the word dynamite. So it means you're going to receive power that was going to blow up things, right? Like, come on. Dunamis power so that our lives are witnesses. Come on, your life, my life. The power we receive is to be a witness to Jesus to save someone. To save someone. See, a miracle won't save a soul, only a relationship with Jesus will. Can I tell you, I've met many people that have had a miracle in their life, but the relationship with Jesus hasn't been there. They've continued on with their life. There's been no power to change because the power is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. What is a witness? A witness is someone who sees an event or gives evidence. Now, let's be honest this morning. 
none of us were witnesses, eyewitnesses to the events of Jesus Christ, right? Like none of us were there. Uh, if you tell me you were there, uh, we've got a deliverance that we can do for you later on. Uh, we can take you through some things, bring you back to reality. But none of us were there at that time. But can I say this? We have seen evidence in our own lives. We have experienced the evidence of a life lived for Christ. We've experienced the evidence. Come on, am I speaking to myself this morning? We've experienced the evidence of God's power and how He transforms us, has set us free, has changed us, has saved us. So we are witnesses for Jesus Christ and His power. Well, today we're going to look at an attribute of a witness uh, that Jesus requires of us, and that is the attribute of boldness. Say it with me, boldness. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Wow, what, what a great presence uh, uh, in the time of worship this morning to, to, to experience you, God. I pray as we delve into your scriptures that we will meet you, that we will hear from you, that we will encounter you here in the room, on the live stream, on the podcast, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. come on, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, if you've got your Bibles, open with me, book of Acts, chapter 4, we're going to dive straight in, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. We have a scenario here where Peter and John have been out and in the preceding uh, verses, uh, they've spoken to a man, they've healed him, and they're now talking about Jesus, they're proclaiming resurrection through him, and they're greatly disturbed. Greatly disturbed. See, the book of Acts describes the church in its infancy. It's where the church starts, it's where people start to gather together, it's where we first hear things talked about how being followers of Jesus, being followers of the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, it talks about all these kinds of things, but what we need to understand is that when something is in its infancy, it's very vulnerable. Any parents here today, when you have a baby, an infant child, it's very vulnerable. Uh, if there's any gardeners here this morning, when you plant that little seed in the ground, when it first grows, it's very vulnerable, right? If you started a business, those first two years, they say, the infancy stages of growing that business, it's a very vulnerable stage. And it's a vulnerable stage for the early church in Acts. Uh, they were few in numbers. You know, there was like 120 people who were at the upper room when uh, the Holy Spirit came. Uh, uh, they're inexperienced in leadership and they're facing opposition from the established institutions that have been uh, around for many centuries, in fact, millennia. And if you look at the church then and you look at the church now, it's similar for us today. Like, we, we, like, like, like there's things that are happening that, that are going on. But if you look through history, you will see that whenever persecution comes against the church, the church grows. Now, they don't know it now, but when you read a little few further chapters in Acts, there's going to be a guy called Saul's going to appear. There's going to be some persecution that is going to come against the church. Today, the church Christianity finds itself under persecution. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily we are yet, 
yet at the point of place where the church in Acts finds itself in, or that we in the West are facing the kind of persecution that the church might face in other areas of the world. But we are in a place where there has been a dramatic shift against the church or how Christianity is viewed. There's a book written by Stephen McPine called Being the Bad Guys. Say it, Being the Bad Guys. He says this, uh, this statement, he says, Only a few generations ago, Christianity was the good guy, the solution to what was bad. Rather than being on the wrong side of the law, we were the law. Christian morality was assumed and passed mainly unchallenged. The cultural, legal and political power structures affirmed Christians. Then something changed. Increasingly, Christianity is viewed as the bad guy. Christianity is no longer an option It's a problem. The cultural, political, and legal guns that Christianity once held are now trained on us, and it's happened quickly. The number of those professing faith has fallen dramatically. The seat at the cultural table that we assumed was ours for keeps is increasingly being given to others. We're on the wrong side of history, the wrong side of so many issues and conversations. It's come as a surprise We're not sure how it happened. We don't like it. We don't feel like we deserve it. But we are the bad guys now. To summarize what he says, we used to be the good guys, but now we are the bad guys. See, in the past, Christians were respected. The church was looked up to. In the past, when you used, when you founded a town you might build the the civic center then the next building would be the church and then everything else would be around it see in, in the past Christians we be, we built schools and hospitals we fed the poor and sheltered the homeless we started missions and orphanages we cared for people we had a seat at the table we, we started charities Christianity used to lead and shape the culture I'm not sure if you stepped outside the four walls of church recently, but it's not always the case like that anymore. See, today, Christianity in many circles, and I'm not saying all circles, but in many circles, is seen as offensive. It's out of date. It's a problem. It's an obstacle to be uh, removed. The Bible is viewed as irrelevant and wrong. And if, and, if you, and if you think that's not the case, you only have to look at uh, the recent appointment of the Essendon CEO, Andrew uh, Thornburn. Any Bombers supporters here today? Like We're all like, mm, I don't know whether we are or not. But, uh, you only have to look at the recent appointment of him to the Essendon CEO. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? He's, he's appointed the Essendon CEO. 24 hours, he's resigning. Because he's given an ultimatum by the Eston Football Club, they say to him, listen, your church believes in certain beliefs that are not popular today, so you need to choose between your beliefs or what we say you need to believe today. The church that he goes to believes traditional biblical orthodoxy theology. Can I say today at Elevation Church, I want to be clear, we believe the same things. We believe in traditional marriage. We, 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 we don't believe in abortion. And today, that's where we stand. We don't back down. That's what we believe. But see, today, if you have those beliefs, you can be dismissed as a bad guy. And so when you look at someone like this guy, former CEO of the NAB, 
political, you know, corporate high flyer, you know, had, has a lot of political and, and corporate allies, some that rallied with him, most that rallied against him, you know. Uh, when you look at that, you think to yourself, what chance do I have? Where am I, where am I going to be? What, what am I going to do, right? Maybe at work, you're the only Christian. You feel like the odd person out. You're not sure whether to, you know, speak up in different times. Perhaps you're more hesitant to say what you think because you don't want to be labeled a bigot. That's the favorite one, right? You're a bigot. When someone says that, where do you go from there? Maybe you don't think you know enough about an issue, so you can't say anything. Well, you're not informed enough. You can't speak into this space. Perhaps you're afraid of what people might think of you that they'll write you off, they'll reject you, that they'll cancel you. Maybe you're worried what people will do if you start talking about Jesus, if you start talking about God, if you start talking about the Holy Spirit. It's fine to talk about a higher power, but you can't speak about Jesus. What's going to happen? And this is a place where Peter and John find themselves. They find themselves in a place where talking about Jesus was totally against everything that was happening in the day. We continue on to Acts 4 verse 3. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of the men who believed grew to about 5,000. Those who wielded the political power, the religious power, the cultural power of the time tried to shut down the church in the book of Acts, just like those who wield the political, cultural, financial power today, trying to shut down the church and what we believe. But in Acts, they failed. The scripture said the people were added. The church grew in numbers. There was 120, then there was 500, then there was 1,000, then there was 5,000. The church has always grown in persecution and today is no different. Today is no different. The church has always grown. The church is going to continue to grow, persecuted or not, because I tell you one thing, that which God has started, nothing can stop. Nothing can stop, can't stop, won't stop. And, and I pray today that we would say, God, we thank you that we get to live in a day and age where we have to you know what our faith means, that we can speak into environments, that we can speak into situations, and we're praying that more and more people will come to Jesus in his last days than ever. Continue on to verse 5. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Is it getting warm in here? Are we getting hot in here right now? I'm going I'm to take my jacket off because I'm getting hot in here right now. I'd say I was muscle-bound, but there's not many muscles there these days, guys. What name do you do this? By what power, by what authority are you speaking and proclaiming what it is that you're doing? Who has given you the authority? And Peter and John are facing, they're standing before the very men 
The, the Sadducees, they're standing before the very court, the same people who 50 days earlier sent Jesus Christ to the cross. They are in a place where this could be, this could be life or death. And they're asked, in whose name do you do this? I wonder what we would say if we were in that situation. I wonder how we would respond to that kind of scenario. Continue on to verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, I love that. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say Peter, filled with all the stats and statistics. It doesn't say Peter, filled with all his own opinions and own you know, thoughts. It doesn't say Peter, who was just like, you know, stumbling, didn't know what to say. It says Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified, by the way, whom you crucified. I mean, talk about like it's Jesus and like you guys killed him. But whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, but uh, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Come on, which we must be saved. He's full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, he's the powerhouse. The the power of the Holy Spirit is upon him. And he doesn't merely proclaim that Jesus is one way to salvation. He declares that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Church, today the world would say to us the way to salvation is humanism. It's humanistic endeavor. We can save ourselves. We can make ourselves right. I'm here to let you know, no, the way to salvation is not us. We, we, we are evil. We are, we are impure. The way to salvation is Jesus Christ is the only way. See, I love that Peter doesn't take Jesus out of the conversation. He inserts Jesus into the conversation. It's, it, you know, today it can be very easy to shrink back, to take Jesus out. Come on, let's put Jesus in. Let's insert him into our conversations. Let's insert him into the questions when people ask, hey, it's because of Jesus. Why do you go to church? Oh, because there's great music and great coffee. No, it's because of Jesus. I mean, there is great music and coffee, but it's because of Jesus. Hey, why do you believe what you believe? Because Jesus did. We bring Jesus into the conversation, a world that wants to remove Jesus from the political arena, from our schools, from our conversation. We're going to bring Jesus. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is upon us to be witnesses to Jesus Christ to the world around us. See, Jesus is the only path to true freedom. Today, if you're here in this place and and maybe you don't know Christ and you're searching, you're seeking and you're looking for freedom, I want to let you know Jesus is the true freedom that you're looking for. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is, he can't be copied. He can't be replaced. He can't be removed. Jesus is the only name that can save. So today, how can we be bold like Peter and John? I have three quick thoughts that I want to share with us this morning. Uh, Take these down, write them down this morning. And uh, how can we be bold for Jesus? Number one, Spend more time with Jesus. Come on, we knew this one was coming, didn't we? Spend more time with Jesus. It's not spend more time at church. It's not spend more time with Pastor Bronson. You might go away, you know, like 
more dumb after you speak to me. You know, like it's just, <laughs> I was thinking of an intelligent way to say it, but I couldn't even do that, Dave. You know what I mean? <laughs> Spend time with Jesus. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. As I spend more time with Jesus, my life is going to be recognized by people as a life that has spent more time with Jesus. Now, obviously, we don't get to physically walk with Christ in the physical manifestation of Jesus. We don't get to do that. So people can't say, oh, yes, I recognize Bronson as someone who walked with Jesus. But the life change that happens in me, the change, the transformation that Jesus makes in my life, you know, the, the, the rejoicing when things are tough, the, the, the praising of God when, when things go great. Hey, it's not because of me, it's because of how great God is. The transformation, they can see that, that I'm a witness for Jesus. And, and, and as I spend time with Jesus, I'm going to start to be recognized as someone who's been with Jesus, just like Peter and John. The word boldness in Greek uh, is the word parashia, parashia, and it means freedom of speech, confidence, and openness. And when you open up your Bible and you read the Gospels, when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at how he spoke to people and how he lived his life, you will see that there is a freedom upon his life with the way he spoke. There is a confidence to speak in the situations. There is an openness to tell people about the Father in heaven. See, Jesus went into environments where people wanted to hear him speak, where they were looking for him to do miracles. He went to other places where he just met people along the way. He told them things that they had never told anyone else before, that they didn't want to necessarily hear. But Jesus was bold to proclaim God's kingdom is going to come. And there may be situations where we need to go into where it won't not be popular to talk about Jesus and to talk about why we believe what we believe. But God is calling us to be bold to a generation, to a world that needs to know about Christ. 1 Peter 3.14, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. The scriptures say, don't be fearful, don't be frightened. Church, can I encourage us today, don't be fearful, don't be frightened to say, this is what I believe. Don't be fearful, don't be frightened to say, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. I believe it is truth. And this is what I will say and speak into this situation. We're not to be fearful or to be frightened. But we are to be prepared to state what we believe and why we believe it. So it's good to know why we believe what we believe. Right? So that's why we want to be educated. We want to, be, we want to know what the scriptures say. But then it also says, with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. We don't have to be standing on the street corner screaming and shouting and telling people they're going to hell. We don't have to do it in that way. We don't have to get, you know, we don't have to be offended when someone challenges us on what we believe. You know, we don't have to be arrogant or smug or any of those types of things. It says be gent with gentleness and respect. And so you can't do any of those things 
You can't, you can't navigate fear and threats. You can't, you can't explain the hope that you have. You can't do it with gentleness and respect unless Jesus is Lord of your heart. And Jesus cannot be Lord of your heart if you're not spending time with Jesus. And so we read our Bible, we pray, we fast, uh, we seek the Holy Spirit, we're Spirit-led, we spend more time with Jesus. Number two, we ask God to make us bold, if the keys could come. We ask God to make us bold. It continues on down to verse uh, 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. I can just imagine the conversation as they walked into that room where the other believers were and they're like, wow, you guys won't believe what happened. We're out on the street and we're telling people about Jesus. We healed a guy. Next thing we know, we're before all the, the priests, the leading priests, and like it was touch and go. But thank God we got out of there. Thank God we escaped. You know, it's amazing. It's a great time. And then, uh, hey, hey, guys, let's, let's pray, you know, like, like, come on, let's pray. Let's give God some praise for this. And, you know, like for me, I, I'm heading to the direction where my prayer would be, God, I thank you that you got me out of that place. I'm just asking God for your protection going forward. Jesus, would you keep my family safe? Uh, you know, like a uh, uh, hedge of protection. God, your angels, you know, you're getting me like, right? Like keep me safe, Jesus. Protect me. Like, uh, keep me safe. Protect me, Lord Jesus. But look at what they say. Look at what they pray. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider these threats and enable your servants to be safe. To be safe. To, to, to be protected by your angels. No. No, it doesn't say that. It says, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. To speak your word with great boldness. Wow. Now, I want to be a follower of Christ like that. When the, when the obstacles come, it's like, God, get me out there to be bold again. See, speaking Jesus was what got them into trouble in the first place. And now they're asking God, please help us to be bold, to continue speaking Jesus. To be bold, to continue. You know, sometimes, you, you know, like you learn your lesson. But these guys are like, that's not the lesson to learn. The lesson to learn is to keep being bold to tell people about Jesus Christ. Acts 4.31, and, and they prayed, and the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. You know, today, maybe if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the prayer should be, God, give me your boldness to go and tell people about Jesus. Maybe that's the prayer, prayer of our lives. Maybe the prayer is, Holy Spirit, make me bold. Fill me with your Holy Spirit boldness to reach people. See, they prayed with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the Word of God boldly. And today's in climate, today's environment, it's going to take courage and boldness to share our faith. But church, sharing our faith, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. That's what the world needs. It's a last hurting place it needs Jesus it doesn't need more self-help books it doesn't need more spiritual enlightenment it doesn't need more finding ourselves it needs more of finding Jesus finding Jesus so let's ask God for boldness to speak his word and thirdly and finally three let's remember what's at stake 
to remember what's at stake. Why are we bold to proclaim Jesus? Why is it that we're bold to proclaim Jesus? Is it because we're trying to prove a, a religious point against all the other religions in the world? Is it because, you know, we hate people and, and we want to just stick it to them and tell them that the life they're living is not right? Is it because we love condemning people? Is it because we want to ostracize people in society? Is it because of any of those things? No. It's not because of any of those things. It's none of those things. That the reason Jesus calls us to be bold is because there is so much at stake. There's so much at stake for the world out there. Uh, Matthew 25, 41, Jesus gives the parable. He says this, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, depart from me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Not one of the scripture verses we go to by default when we're sharing Jesus with people. But this is the reality. This is the reality. This is what's at stake. Hell is a real place. And it's been prepared for the devil and his demons and their rebellion against God. But it's also a place where people, where anyone who chooses to rebel against God will find themselves. And in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve Fell. They ate that apple. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. From that moment on, the default position for all of humanity is a position of rebellion against God. The default destiny for all of humanity is a, is a destiny in eternity separated from God, is a destiny no matter how good or bad. The default position, I'm saying, is a destiny of going to hell but God. Come on, but God. This is the default position, but God in His great love for us sends Himself as Jesus Christ, His Son, and gives us an invitation to say that may be the default destiny, but I've got a better destiny for you. I've got a son I want you to meet. I've got a new life that I want to give you. I've given an invitation to salvation. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him, doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, whoever believes in Him shall not perish, shall not go to hell, but shall experience everlasting life. He says, repent from your sin, turn away from it. Acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you will experience my salvation. You will experience heaven. And so we don't tell people about Jesus out of a position of hate or dogma or bigotry. We tell them about Jesus out of a position of love. Because God so loved, so we so love our friends, our family, the people out there, the people that don't love us. God loves them. We tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. God came for you. He died for you. He has an invitation for you. Every one of us has the choice to accept that invitation. Have you ever received an invite to somewhere? to a wedding, to a birthday, to a function. And and you have the choice to accept that invitation or not to accept that invitation. It's exactly the same with the kingdom of heaven, with God. We have an opportunity. We have the choice to either accept it or to reject it. See, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there.
God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there. They make the choice to reject Christ. And church, God is calling us to be bold, to tell them about Jesus, to give them that invitation, to remember what's at stake, people's eternity. God's inviting us to be bold. And there's so many areas in culture at this time where, you know, the church and culture stand, you know, like just so opposed and so many different views. God's not called us to shrink back and to say nothing. God's called us, hey, come on. Now, your, 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 your opportunity might be, on a global stage, your opportunity might be one-on-one, but God's calling us to be bold, to step out in faith. See, as I close today, the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit didn't just come. Now, He did come, but He didn't just come to comfort us, to guide us, to, sp- to speak to us, to bring us peace. He also came to give us the boldness to be witnesses of Jesus, to be bold in our faith. So who are we today? We're the church. We're the powerhouse. God's called us to be bold. So let's be bold, to be free in our speech, to have a confidence, to be witnesses of Jesus, to be open about our faith and to speak it. And it may be unpopular and it may cost us and it may mean that we lose some friends and it may mean that we get cancelled. You know, well, maybe it's an honour to get cancelled. You know, maybe my 25 followers on Instagram will stop following me. Well, that's a big loss to me. <laughs> but you know, whatever might happen, it may not make sense in the natural. Like, it just doesn't, why am I saying this? This doesn't make sense in the natural. But can I tell you, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We've been called by Jesus, every one of us, to go into all the ends of the world. See, God is calling us, His church, in these end times, to be bold. To be bold. Hey, this is what I believe. Hey, Iris, you know, you can, you can believe what you believe. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But this is what I believe. And I believe it based on my faith. And I believe it on it because of a person called Jesus and I want to let you know about him. And you, you, you may not like to hear about him, but I'll find a way to do that gently. And I'll find a way to do that gracefully and, and with respect. Uh, but, but there's this guy and his name's Jesus. And, and, and you know, I'm going to tell my kids there's maybe some things today that the world is saying, but I'm going to tell my kids, hey, no, that's not what we believe in our family. Look, that's, look, look you know, if there's someone like, like that in your school, we're not going to go up to that person and, you know, you know, pay out on them we're going to love them that's okay but that's not how we live since when has because someone else lives that way we've got to live that way like I thought the world was all about rebelling against living the way everyone else lives we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna live how the Bible says and we're gonna we're gonna say it and you know there may be people it may cost us our jobs it may cost us friendships but you know it's not gonna cost us our eternity So Jesus, today, we just thank you in this place. God, we thank you. We've been called by you, Jesus, to proclaim the good news.